Great to see you. Question, if I made you an offer of something which will completely revolutionize your life, it will bring peace and balance, it will bring thoughtfulness and calm and wisdom and hope. Are you interested? Come on, I'm not much of a salesman, but I'm trying my best. Okay, if I told you, okay, that's all true, um, but there is a small cost to what I'm offering you, what would you say? You'd say yes, or you'd say, what is the cost? (laughs) Well, if I was you, I'd say, what is the cost? Um, If I told you the cost isn't a financial cost, it won't cost you any money, but it'll cost you some time. You will need to give some time, about 15 minutes a day, for the whole of next year. About 15 minutes, are you interested? Could you find 15 minutes in your day to do something which will change your life? Some of you are sounding convinced. (laughs) Turn to the person next to you and tell them whereabouts in your day you think you could find 15 minutes, theoretically, okay, to do something that will change your life. 15 minutes is is all we're asking for. Where could you find 15 minutes in your day? That's great. So uh, who thinks they could theoretically find 15 minutes in their day? Keep your hand up if that's something to do with doing less social media. (laughs) Maybe. That's what my answer is anyway. Uh, Less washing up. Sorry, you can't do that. Um, You know, less makeup. No, 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 I'm just teasing. Right. Uh, I'll come back to that. I promise you I'll come back to that. We, um, it's, it's a tension, isn't it, we're in at the minute, because uh, obviously we're looking forward to Christmas, and that's all exciting. And uh, as, as Joe's just shown you with the notices that we've been giving, we're also trying to look forward to next year and make plans for next year and make some really good intentional decisions about 2019. And that's quite hard when all your focus is like, just get me to the end of term, just get me to Christmas so I can chill. Is anybody else feeling that, or is it just me? Oh, it's only just me, fine. Okay, um, I just need to get some time off and have a rest and see my family and just chill for a bit. And, and so it is a tension that we're in. Um, but we are going to spend this morning looking ahead, mostly looking ahead to 2019. We really enjoyed celebrating our Christmas carol service last Sunday evening. Thank you very much for those of you who came. Thank you for those of you who invited guests. Um, some of those guests came. Whether or not the person you invited came or didn't come, thank you for inviting them. Thank you for making the effort. And you never know what will happen. We've said before, you know, inviting is our responsibility. The yes or no, that's up to God and between God and the person. Uh, But there were loads of people who came who don't normally come to this church last Sunday evening and they really enjoyed the service. And thank you, those of you who were part of a team to help make it happen because that was a great event. And thank you especially from me uh, and from Joe for making our community choir feel so welcome because they had a a really great time and have some lovely comments back. Um, As Joe's already said, we're in the middle of Advent and it isn't just about counting down the days with chocolate. Um, it's, as Joe said already, a season of waiting and hope. Advent means coming. And we're thinking about the coming of Jesus at Christmas, yes, but we're also thinking about the coming of Jesus in our hearts here and now. Yes, he came at Bethlehem, but he's also here now, present with us, as we've already experienced. And we're also looking ahead to the time when he's coming back. And that gives us hope, and it gives us certainty. And whatever's going on for you, and you know, let's be honest, Christmas is a great time for some, and some of us are actually approaching Christmas with a little bit of trepidation, because it's not always an easy time. Maybe there's family stuff going on for you, maybe you're in difficult circumstances, but whatever your emotions are as you approach Christmas, um, this is a time to focus on Jesus. And our prayer today is that you meet with Jesus. 
And as I said, we're at the end of 2018 and we're sort of, it's a natural time to look back and reflect and also to look forward. And I want to tell you a bit about the year of biblical literacy um, that we're going to be uh, running in 2019. But just before I do, I want to just take a couple of moments to talk about someone very special for whom 2018 was actually the last year that she was on this earth. And we weren't here um, for the last couple of weeks. I'm not doing a normal service. And so we weren't here um, to tell you, I know Paul spoke about this, to tell you um, that Ginny Cryer, who is our founding pastor, um, went to be with Jesus about two weeks ago, two and a bit weeks ago. And uh, I just want to take a moment from our perspective, I know Paul's already said some things if you were here, but to honour Hugh and Ginny and just to talk about her. Um, for those of you who don't know, Ginny and her husband Hugh pictured here, I don't know where they are, they look like they're at the races or somewhere, but um, uh, planted Winchester Vineyard Church in 1994 from literally nothing. They came here from London, they started a group in their house and gathered various groups and met in various places and, and basically built this church. Um, obviously, the Lord had a hand in it as well, but they were the key leaders um, in, in this church getting going. And they led it for 17 years. And in December 2011, they handed it over to Joe and I. And Ginny was an incredible woman of God with many and wonderful characteristics. You know, she was a once met and never forgotten person. <laughs> she was always warm, she was always welcoming, always encouraging to absolutely everyone, invested in the lives of so many people in the church and in the city. And when they moved on from here, it wasn't to retire, it was to refire. Which is why what we just spoke about, Brian and Hillary, is brilliant. I mean, Ginny and he were role models in this area. They were like, we're not done yet, we go, we're, we're, we're keeping going. And uh, you know, I hope when I get to that season of my life that I'm the same. Um, from our point of view, having handed their church over to us, they were exemplary as founding pastors. They left us this incredible legacy, um, an amazing church, wonderful people, solid foundations, and they gave us the space to grow and encouraged us from a distance. And whenever we bumped into them, she would always say to me, we're hearing such great things. And I thought, I don't know if you really are or not, but you're very kind to say so, you know? And they would, whatever they thought, they always said, they was always encouraging. And uh, maybe you were here when in March they came and visited us in the middle of our building works. Um, and they were excited about that um, being underway and we realised earlier in the autumn that she wasn't going to be able to see the finished building and that was a shame so we sent some photos and we sent a video message and we had a wonderful response from her in October saying it was wonderful to see you please thank everyone who took part send my love and she signed off with together we build which is wonderful isn't it and um <laughs> The last time we actually spoke to her um, was quite amusing actually because what happened is um, we got a call in sometime late October. We knew that there were, you know, things are not great. She's kind of on the last, on the last leg of her journey, I suppose. And uh, we got a call from Hugh and we were like, oh my gosh, is this the news that we didn't want to hear? And so Joe phoned back, uh, hi Hugh, is, is everything all right? Oh yes, yes, everything's fine, everything's fine. Um, we just wondered, we're, we're planning Ginny's memorial service and because of family and because some of the family live in Canada and because Brian Dirksen has said he'll come and lead the worship, we basically need to book this date in April and could we do it at the church and would the church be free? Joe's like, um, okay, okay, let me look, let me look. So Joe goes on the computer, checks, and Hugh, help me out here. Um, what kind of a booking do you want? Morning, afternoon, evening, the whole day? What do you want? We don't really know. <laughs> to which there is a call from the background of Ginny saying, we've never really done this before. <laughs> and, and those of you who know Ginny will know that that's absolute classic. I think that's the last day we spoke to her, isn't it? <laughs> Bless her. Anyway, I just put this quote up, something that she wrote in her last 
Um, Culture Changes email, which I think sums it up beautifully. At this point, she says, I don't know when I will change addresses, but we do know that this is a very precious time for me in the departure lounge. And when the time comes to leave our mortal bodies, like Jesus in Gethsemane, we may have a tough departure, but we know where we're going. We can look forward to an eternal and glorious welcome in the place where we really belong. One vineyard pastor said to me, heaven doesn't know what's coming. <laughs> so we're just giving thanks for Ginny and we, you know, we're just so grateful for her. And um, if you wanted to know, the memorial service for Ginny is going, I didn't, I didn't write it on the screen, but the memorial service is going to be Wednesday the 10th of April. And so if you're somebody who feels that you'd like to come to that or be around at that, we will, of course, issue more details in the future. But it's kind of a week and a half before Easter. Um, I would imagine it'll be quite a big occasion um, and that will be here. So just make a note of that date if you want to be part of that. And um, looking forward into 2019, I want to take the rest of the morning just to talk to you, as I said, a little bit about the year of biblical literacy. What is it? What's it all about? I've gone too far. Now, you know that literacy means the ability to read and to write. And in this context, it means the ability to read and to understand and to be able to express the truth of the Bible, to really understand what's going on with this book, the Bible. And so we're talking about spending a whole year where we focus on reading and understanding it. Now, just to illustrate my point, I brought the biggest Bible I could find this morning. I'm going to be honest with you, this is my study Bible and it sits by my desk and I actually have an online version as well. So I don't actually personally find myself reading this particular book. But I just thought I'll wave it around a bit and hopefully you'll get, a, you'll get the idea. Um, <clears throat> but the text contained in this book is so precious and so valuable to us. And as Christians, we really believe that this is important. It's vital to help us get to know Jesus better. But the truth is, if we're honest, it can be just sometimes a little bit challenging to read and understand. Anybody, anybody concur with me, or is it just me? Okay. Some of us have read the Bible a lot in our lives. Some of us not so much. Some of us have read it for years, and we really get it. And yet there's still more to discover, so much more to dig into and others of us have tried but we just can't seem to get our heads around it or read it coherently and on the surface as I said it's not the easiest book to understand there are some fabulous stories in the Bible and there are some parts that are if we're honest just downright weird and so we want to take some time to learn and engage thoughtfully with the Bible in a structured way as individuals and as a whole community together and so as Joe's already mentioned we'll be reading it personally on our own and we'll be reading it when we gather together in small groups and we'll be looking at it on a Sunday. But I can't emphasise this point enough. It isn't just about information. We're not just reading it to learn and understand it more so we can quote it or so we can say what it means. This is about understanding and it's about application. It's about trying to understand what the Bible is really saying to us today and what relevance these ancient writings have for our lives because they really do. So John Wimber, who's the founder of the Vineyard Movement, said this, it's not just about being biblically literate, we must also become biblically obedient. It isn't just about learning it, it's about learning it so we can follow it. Do you get me? And sometimes we have to enter into the world of the Bible to really understand it before we can then apply it to our lives. And so this is all about reading and learning, and there are four layers of the year of biblical literacy. The personal layer is about committing to read it every day. Not just getting through, not just but actually opening our hearts and minds to God and trusting him 
to meet us in that place. And as I've already said, the challenge I'm going to issue to all of us is to take 15 minutes a day to see if we can read the Bible together. Many of us already do this. For some of you, it will come naturally. It won't be a problem. But for others, this will be a stretch. But we do have some brilliant resources to help, which I'll show you in a bit. The layer called life groups. The life group layer, as well as reading it for ourselves, honestly, a really good way to assimilate and learn uh, and apply the Bible is to spend some time in a group with other people who are also trying to do the same, who are trying to learn and grow in their relationship with God through this incredible book. And so there'll be resources for life groups which will follow up the Sunday talks. And after life group goes larger, as Joe's already talked about, uh, once that's finished, life groups will kick off again, hopefully some new ones. And uh, it'll be a wonderful place to assimilate what we're doing. And even if you're not in a life group, you may just want to get with a couple of friends and do this together, and there'll be resources available for that. Um, There's a Sunday layer, which will impact on our teaching series over the next uh, year or so. We will broadly follow the Read Scripture plan, which I'll explain to you in a minute. So working through the story of the Bible, focusing on certain books, looking at bits that sometimes get overlooked Sometimes they're hard to understand, focusing on certain themes. Obviously, we're not going to be able to preach on every verse and every chapter of the Bible, but we're going to take a journey through it. And so if you're, with, if you're up to date with the plan, you'll be hearing talks on a Sunday which are related to stuff you've been reading or about to read. And obviously, if you miss a talk, you can always catch up online. And then there's a going deeper um, section for those of us who want to take it a little bit more in depth. And we're planning that we'd have just a few um, sort of m- more... Uh, in-depth theology-style lectures through the year, just a few, uh, with guest speakers and experts. We know a few people, we're inviting them to come and just show us and unveil bits. And of course, there's always stuff you can look at and we'll point to resources online if you want to take this stuff deeper. So that's how it's going to work, but what about why? Why are we doing this now? Why are we doing this anyway? What is it, why this sudden focus on the Bible in 2019? And um, here's a quote from a guy called Charles H. Spurgeon, one of the pretty, I see Paul, you see, I see Paul smiling already when Spurgeon comes on, because he's one of these really well-known preachers, incredible Bible preacher, and he said, oh, friends, if I did not believe the infallibility of Scripture, that's a long word, it means it's true, <laughs> The absolute infallibility of it from cover to cover, I would never enter this pulpit again. Spurgeon was one of the preachers who said, I believe this book, I believe it to be true, I believe it to be God's word. And those of us who've grown up as Christians have been taught and most probably have no problem believing that yes, this is God's true word. This is what we've been taught in my generation growing up. This is what we were taught. This has power and authority and wisdom for every believer. In fact, for every human on the planet, that this is the inspired word of God, the essential text on which we base our lives. And yes, while it's long and complicated, we do believe the Bible is, to quote the Bible Project, who we're going to hear about a lot about in the next year, um, one unified story that leads us to Jesus. We don't worship the book, we worship Jesus. The book leads us to Jesus, do you get me? We believe that he shows us how to live and the Bible shows us who he is and how we do that. So it's really important. But we are, if we're honest, in a time when some of that is called into question and when people don't necessarily believe that the Bible is the inerrant or infallible word of God, um, when val- values that our country and our nation was built on don't, that used to be biblical don't seem to be happening anymore, I'm guessing that if you are broadly, this is a sweeping generalisation, but I'm guessing that if you are under 30, the chances are you weren't taught to read the Bible 
in any kind of coherent, consistent way, and you sometimes wonder about whether it all is really true and accurate. Now, I might be wrong, but that's a, that's a broad generalization, and it's not a judgment on anybody, but it's just the cultural impact of living in the society that we live in. And so one of our key reasons for doing the Year of Biblical Literacy is to build our confidence in the Bible as God's true word. To know that this is a book, yes, with stories and letters and poems and teachings that were not just relevant 2,000 years ago, they're relevant today. This initiative will help us grasp the overarching story of the whole Bible, to see the big picture, the meta-narrative, to understand how these different stories fit together. The whole of the year kicks off with the first series in January, which we're calling The Good Book, and it's just an introduction, really, to look at what the Bible means and what its purpose is and what the Bible says its purpose is and where it's coming from and how it got put together. That's the first four weeks. Um, then we get into something called uh, the, the Big Story of God, where we take a six-week overview of the whole thing, a bit like a timeline. You know, imagine a historical timeline. We draw the timeline out, and then for the rest of the year, we start picking into bits of that timeline and saying, okay, here are the bits we don't understand. You know, um, here are the bits that some people question sometimes. Um, I don't want to steal from that, but by way of introduction this morning, I just want to look at a little bit of material about um, what the Bible says about itself. Here's a quote from another guy called Steve Lawson. He says this, the Bible is like a beautiful diamond that has many different cuts. And when you hold it up to the light, each beauty is refracting the light of each different side. And no one symbol of the Bible can communicate the whole. So it requires many different metaphors, many different analogies to even just begin to try and put its arm around the totally invincible power of the inerrant word. That's his quote. That's quite a funny, again, inerrant. That language doesn't, it's complicated, but you know what I'm saying, don't you? Okay, And so I don't want to jump the gun like that, but I do want to look at, just for the rest of this morning, very briefly, five metaphors that the Bible uses to speak about itself. What does God's word say it is? What is it like? Just one of the lenses through which you can look at the diamond, one of the sides of it. And the first one is this. The Bible says that it's a sword that pierces. Hebrews 4 and chapter 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. God's word, the Bible says, is alive and active and sharp. It's not ancient or dusty or irrelevant. Although it was written a long time ago, this book is continually speaking. Another really well-known theologian, Martin Luther, said this, the word of God is alive, it speaks to me, it has feet, it runs after me, it has hands, it lays hold of me. It has relevance for us now. It speaks into situations. Sharper than a sword. Now, when I was a kid, I went to Sunday school, and we were taught how to find passages in the Bible, and it was called our sword drill. And I can see a few smiling faces, because obviously some of you, this happened to you as well. Okay, so just in case you didn't, this is what we had to do. They used to go, sheathe your sword, and we had to do this. And then they would say, draw your sword, and you'd do this. And then they would give us a reference that we had to find, and it was basically a race to find the reference. And they would say, Matthew 25, chapter 3, or chapter 3, 25, go! And we'd have to, you know, and you'd stand up and say, I found it, okay? I know, bonkers, isn't it? <laughs> bonkers. 
However, it taught me that the Bible is a sword. It doesn't look much like a sword. Um, Think about what a sword does. I'm not into um, violence and historical violence and stuff on TV, but I did watch this series a year or two ago called The Last Kingdom. And... um, Yes, Uhtred. Fantastic stories. Absolutely fantastic. I tell you, I started reading the books, they're even better. But I noticed whilst watching this, this is the kind of thing that I watch and I say to Joe, you wouldn't enjoy this, okay? <laughs> because there's, there's a little bit of gut spilling and blood and violence and stuff. And what I realised is a sword is not actually a book, it's a weapon of war. Okay, it's a weapon of war that does damage. A sword's sharp blade can cut through flesh and muscle and expose innards and draw blood and render the victim injured or incapacitated or dead. Okay? A sword is dangerous and you don't use it lightly. You treat it with respect. Warriors train for years to fight properly with their sword. They not only sharpen it regularly, but they keep their own skills sharpened so they can use it properly. They carry it close at hand. Uhtred, this guy in the story, carries the sword on his back pretty much the whole time. So it's, if, he encounters, if he encounters trouble, it's ready and it's sharp. And the Bible says that God's word is like that, only it's sharper. It cuts through the excuses. It cuts through the facades. It cuts to the core of the inner person. It exposes our real selves our inward selves. It allows us to see ourselves as God sees us. The word of God brings salvation and identity and purpose and vision and authority. It gives us a reason for living, all of which can effectively kill the pride and selfishness and self-righteousness and self-flattery that we've got going on inside us. So the Bible is sharper than a sword. The second analogy that I'm going to talk about is a mirror that reveals. James chapter 1 says this, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. You see, a mirror enables us to see ourselves as we truly are. No hiding, no filters. A mirror tells it like it is, gives a true and accurate reflection of what's going on. And the Bible's like that. The, good, the mirror shows you the good parts and the bad parts. And just like a mirror, the Bible reflects an accurate picture of the human soul. I don't know if you've read the Old Testament lately. I've done a little bit of advanced preparation for the, some of the series next year and just started to look into things. There are parts of the Old Testament that are pretty fruity, to be honest. Um, there's a thing called the Lego Bible Stories, and on it, they rate every single Bible story in the Old Testament for um, nudity, violence, sex, and cursing, okay? And every story is given a rating. And people often ask, you know, what about this God? If God is a God of love, how, much, how come there's so much killing and violence and all that rubbish going on in the Bible? And that's not an easy question to answer quickly. Um, so I'm going to defer the proper answer to that till 2019. But... And we'll, we'll look into that. But basically the reason is because this is a story of God and humanity. And humanity is broken. And so what we read in the Bible is what we see in ourselves. You know, you can look at those really well-known stories. You know, I love the story of Joseph in the Bible. You know, I've, I've sung that, those songs ever since I was nine years old. But that's a dysfunctional family, eh? <laughs> You know, I mean, you know, there are characters in here, these great Bible stories. When you look into it, boy, did they screw up big time. 
You know, Noah got drunk and Abraham tried to pass his wife off as his sister. Um, and Isaac showed favoritism to one of his sons. And Jacob tricked his brother and stole his birthright and uh, his father's blessing. And then also showed this favoritism to his son Joseph. And Judah got his daughter pregnant. And Moses murdered a slave master in anger. You could be forgiven for thinking this is a soap opera. Okay? Why are these stories in the Bible even? I mean, aren't, they, aren't we supposed to be reading about good role models? And the truth is, these are stories of people like you and me. Essentially humans who are trying to follow God and do the right thing. Can anyone relate to that? Does it, can anyone relate to dysfunctional families, favoritism, sibling rivalry, and emotional immaturity? Because yeah. I can. <laughs> the Bible shows us that God has been working with people like us for a long, long time. Okay, he's interested in us despite our failings he rescues and saves and transforms and calls and empowers people who are human who are frail who sometimes screw up big time and yet he works with them anyway and in his name they do incredible things and we've just seen a beautiful video about that haven't we I find that comforting and I find it challenging just like when I look in the mirror <laughs> I find it comforting and I find it challenging I'm going to run out of time Oh dear. Right, um, the next one is a seed that reproduces. For those of you who have been born again, most, not of, for you have been born again, says 1 Peter, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For although all the people are like glass, grass, and all the glory is like the flowers of the field, and the grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. This is a seed that will keep on regerminating, that will pass its DNA down and down and down and down. It's imperishable. A perishable seed, like the one that you and I know about, can only really reproduce the same as itself. You put an apple seed in the ground, it will not grow a pear tree. It will grow an apple tree. There's a fundamental principle there, you know? Somebody said this, it would be easier to produce oak trees from planting marbles than it would be for someone to be saved without the planting of this imperishable seed into their hearts, the word of God. And in life, you know, there's a, there's a principle, isn't there, in life that we reap what we sow. Whatever we sow, we will reap for ourselves. Garbage in, garbage out. You know, if we're in a, if we're in a relationship and we choose to act with selfishness, unkindness, if we choose to judge one another's actions, or we choose to think or believe the worst about somebody, then one way or another, that will come back to us. We had the horrendous tragedy um, over the last couple of years of watching some people that we know um, who are not part of the church, we're watching their marriage just completely implode. And they're in a disastrous state. And when we tried to, you know, we, they, we weren't their pastors, we were just trying to be friends. And when we did have one or two conversations about it, it, it just seemed clear to us that there was nothing sown in from the start. There was no kindness. There was no believing the best about one another. We just watched this thing die. And we thought, well, they've, they've, they really are just reaping what they've sown. And that's not a judgment on them. I don't think they really knew how to do that. Honestly, when you start to look at the background and all that, it was, it was a tragedy. You know, when someone speaks or acts from a place of control or dominance, from their own insecurity, or they exert emotional manipulation on their peers or their co-workers or their family, it has an impact on what they receive back, either directly or indirectly. You probably work with people like that. But those of us who chose to sow good seed, the positive values, the truths that we find in this living and enduring book, will find that that comes back to us. So just, just some examples that are in my life, things that I say to my kids often. Number one, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't go to bed angry. 
Resolve tension. Have the difficult conversation. Remove the log from your own eye before removing the speck from someone else's. Another little piece of biblical truth and wisdom. And in all, in all things, love. Love is patient, love is kind. It keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't keep going back saying, oh, you did this to me five years ago and I still haven't forgiven you. You know, the Bible, is, it's not there. It's love. It's love. It keeps no record of wrongs. There's the truth. If you're not able to do that, then read the Bible and think about it. The book contains timeless truths. They're there for every culture and every century. So with the good stuff that's been proven from generation to generation. I wonder which piece of biblical truth has stood with you for your whole life. Maybe you have loads of examples. Two other uh, analogies. The Bible is milk that nourishes. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, Peter says, again, and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. A baby will not thrive or survive if you don't give it some milk. It just won't grow. They just won't grow. They actually have an inbuilt mechanism, don't they, babies, to make sure that they get that. <laughs> I'm so glad when I hear a baby cry and, and, and it's not mine. <laughs> and, and mine are all grown up now, but I just remember that. There's a, there's, a, there's a particular cry when a baby is hungry and it just will not stop and it's designed to get you right there, isn't it? Especially if you're the mum or the dad, you know. When the baby isn't growing, the medical people start to get concerned and they start to look at how it's feeding and, how, and, and all of that and how that's going. And the word of God is the same. Just as milk makes our bones strong, the Bible makes our spirit strong. It's part of our essential diet. And if you've come to Jesus, you've given your yes to Jesus, then what truth has helped you grow? When has the Bible been that to you? And lastly, the Bible is a lamp that shines, a lamp to the feet. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. You know, we live in a pretty dark world sometimes. And uh, the word of God is a lamp giving necessary light to all the travellers. This lamp is not just an option for a few of us, it's a necessity for all of us. And the light shines brightest in the darkest hours of the night. And our culture, honestly, is confused and desperate and people are in pain and searching for answers. And they are looking to see where to put their feet next on the path. And we have a lamp that can illuminate the path that can say, take this step, take this step, take this step. And so the emphasis here isn't on the head and the heart, it's on the feet. Because yeah, you can read the Bible, you can take it to heart, but unless it actually impacts the steps that you take forward, it isn't gonna make much difference in your life. Yeah? So this is about it going all the way through, all the way through our bodies so that we put stuff into practice. Five powerful metaphors that give us five different ways, just different views, angles. Not, they're not, there are more, there are loads more, but just five angles on how we look at God's word, the Bible. And I hope this kind of gives you an encouragement because we're going to go on a journey with this in 2019. And what you'll get out of it is what you put into it. A journey through this incredible book. And I really want to encourage you to take this challenge up yourself. Now, there are tons of ways you could do this. There are loads of resources available and we'll make a number of options available on our website. For example, if you can't read it but you'd like to have the Bible read to you, there's one app that can do that. But the app that I want to recommend to you is called Read Scripture. Um, and it's put together by some people called The Bible Project. 
The Bible Project, I've shown you one or two of their videos before. If you've got five minutes, it would be really worth searching them up online because they have some absolutely brilliant videos that help to explore. And they've put this app together, which is a plan to read through the Bible and incorporate some of these videos. You can download the app right now. You can literally get your phone out. I will give you permission. Go to the Google Play or the App Store, depending on whether you're an Apple person or whatever, and download the app because it's so worth it. And while you're doing that, have a look at this video, which I'd love you to see, which just introduces the whole plan. We know that the Bible is long and for many people an intimidating book, but we believe that the entire thing is telling one unified story that leads us to Jesus. And so we want to help you learn how to read the Bible as you actually read through the entire thing for yourself. So the Read Scripture experience is, first of all, a reading plan that has broken up the story of the Bible into 16 chapters. Now we've rearranged the order of some of the books to help you see how this overall story works and how each book contributes to it. So we begin with creation of the world and the fall of humanity, which leads to God's covenant promises to Abraham and his family, the people of Israel. Then you come to God's rescue of Israel in the exodus from Egypt, which is followed by the covenant God makes with them at Mount Sinai. From there, God leads Israel through the wilderness and then into the promised land, where Israel grows into a nation and breaks the covenant. And so this flows into the rise and the fall of Israel's kingdom, which ends with Israel being exiled from the land. Now, the story pauses right here, and you'll read through the poetry of the prophets who lived before Israel's exile, and also of the wisdom writings that reflect on this part of the story as well. After this, the story will pick up again, and you'll read the writings of the prophets who lived during the exile, then about the return of Israel from exile, and the writings of the prophets who lived after the exile. You'll conclude the Old Testament with the book of Chronicles. It's a summary of the story so far and how it all points forward to Jesus. And finally, we come to Jesus himself and his announcement of the kingdom of God, which is then followed by the letters of the apostles to the people of Jesus's kingdom. Finally, we'll conclude the entire biblical story with the revelation, a poetic vision of Jesus's return and the healing of all creation. Now, each of these 16 chapters has a number of reading sessions it will take to complete it. Some of these are shorter, others are longer. And if you take just 15 to 20 minutes a day to complete each session, you'll be able to read through the entire Bible in less than a year. Now, even with this map, many books of the Bible are really confusing. It's very easy to get lost. And so when you start each new book of the Bible, you'll be able to watch a short video that lays out that book's structure and flow of thought, and it'll give you tips about what kinds of things to look for as you read. But also every book contributes to the overall story of the Bible as well. And so we'll have theme videos placed at strategic points in the reading plan to help you see how the part of the Bible you're reading at the moment fits into that larger story. Finally, each day's reading session includes a psalm, because we believe that reading the Bible is not just an intellectual experience, but also spiritual. And so we invite you to take the year to develop the daily habit of praying through the psalms. And by the end of the year, you'll have prayed through the whole book of psalms two and a half times. Our hope is that the Read Scripture experience will help you read through the entire Bible with greater understanding than you ever have before, so you can see for yourself the beauty and the wisdom of this ancient story that points us to Jesus. How many of you downloaded the app already? 
Oh, well done. Very good. Listen, if you're not an app person, if you don't want to do this on your phone, that's totally fine. You can get all of this stuff online just looking at the uh, website. We have a link. We have links on our website. And um, if you're really not even on the internet, I will print out some of the plans. You can just get this as a paper plan and work through it with a real book if you want to. Um, that's absolutely fine too. And we'll make those available next week. But listen, let, let, me, let, me, let me say something very clearly. It's really important that we find a pace that works for us and that given our schedule and commitments and the natural limitations of our life. Okay, so this would be great. And if you've got 15 minutes a day and you want to take up that challenge, then absolutely go for it. We would love that. Um, but the most important thing is not to rush through so you can say you've finished. The most important thing is not to get through in a year and say, I did it! Okay, the most important thing is to think about and to understand and to apply what we're reading. And so if that means we need to take it slower or even faster than then the reading plan suggests, please feel completely free to do that. We are not going to police this. This is an invitation, okay? Um, please feel too. If you miss the start of the year, just jump in and catch up where you can. Um, which goes back to my first question right at the start of my talk this morning, which is where could you find 15 minutes in your day to do this? Is it your commute in and out of work? Is it your lunch hour? Is it first thing in the morning or last thing at night or after dinner? Or... Is there something that you're doing now regularly that you could replace with this? Maybe it's Facebook or Netflix or whatever you do. We have a book at our fingertips that's like a sword, a mirror, a seed, milk and a lamp and so much more. The power contained in this, the potential for our lives and the whole world is so, so incredible. And the book is so vital and so important. Why wouldn't we want to read it more and understand it better and go deeper. I mean, imagine, what would your life be like in a year if you knew this book? If we read this book, what would that be like if we developed a habit of just daily reading and talking about this stuff with our friends? Imagine what life would be like for our whole community. And so my encouragement to you as you think about Christmas is to don't just put this off to January, this decision. Okay, my encouragement to you, in fact, don't even wait. Start now. Okay, get ahead of the curve. Get ahead of yourself because as Joe said, our first Sunday back is on the 6th of January, and if you wait till then, you'll be six days behind before we've even started, okay? So don't wait till then, do it now. Get going, check out the videos on the Bible Project website. Um, make a really good intentional decision that you know will stand you in good stead for next year. If you're the kind of person that says, oh yeah, that sounds great, Nigel, I'll do that later, you know, reality is you'll get through Christmas, and you'll get to January, and you'll get to church, and I'll say this again, and you'll go, oh yeah, so do it now. Do it now. Think about it. I think I'm done. Why don't you stand and we'll pray. You coming up? Hmm. So by, why don't we have the band back if you guys are around. And uh, I realise we've run over a bit. Um, I, we would love to just take a minute for ministry time, but honestly, if you've just downloaded that app and you've decided that you're getting going, then that's a really big step of response already this morning. Um, if you need to go and get your kids, um, please go and do that now. And I'm going to invite the band just to play. And if you want to just come back and spend some more time in the Lord's presence, uh, we can, we will do that, okay? So uh, thank you for listening. Apologies for going over a few minutes. And Paul's just going to share a word with us. And then we're just going to take a moment to uh, make sure we're responding, giving it time to respond.
the hesitation at this time is that it is easy to rush off into the next thing. So um, if you have time to pause, then do. Um, there will be an opportunity to pray for anybody who needs prayer. Whatever you, your need is today as you come or if you just want to respond to God for what he's speaking to you about, we would love to pray with you. I feel one of the things that particularly that God wants to do is just to um, just do healing. We were singing earlier a song about kind of God being present. And in my mind, I was just reminded, I thought, oh, there's a verse about God being present for a reason. So I just Googled it as one does. And um, it's just this verse, and it says, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And where Joe was saying at the end, you know, the presence of God is really evident here this morning. And that's for different reasons, but I feel one of the main reasons is, I really felt like God saying, the Father saying, he wants to give some Christmas presents, early Christmas presents, and some of that is healing. So, Father, thank you for that. Thank you that that raises expectation in our hearts, that you want to come and heal, you want to come and, and touch us and meet us. We're so grateful for that. So come, Holy Spirit, more of you. We love your presence. Mm, we love your presence more. Mm, thank you for your kindness. So in a moment, the band are going to start to, pr to play and we would love to pray. And so if you'd like to respond in some way, I'm going to invite you forward. So if you're in a small group or if you know how to pray to pe for people within this church family, why don't you come forward now for those who'd like to receive some prayer? And it might be as Nigel's talking that you just feel a real anxiety about this. You think, I'm not a good reader. I don't really know how to study or I've tried reading the Bible before and I've never got very far. And you know, um, I have a really good friend who felt challenged by God to do some academic study. And growing up, she'd never really done very much in school, but she just felt like God said she needed to go and do this study. And so she made a choice to do what he said. And she went along to the college and God gave her an, uh, changed her, her brain, if you like. He gave her an ability to understand what she needed to understand so that she could study and love it. And so if you are struggling with this as a concept because you think I can't read well or study is difficult for me, then we would love to pray because God doesn't want the Bible to be confusing to us or a mystery that just some people can understand. This is a book for all of us. And so I encourage if that's you, then why don't you come forward? So if you're one of our, in one of our life groups, why don't you come now so you can ready to pray for people? We need men and women to do that. Thank you. And if you'd like some prayer, either for healing or because you feel nervous about what next year is about or for any other need, maybe something to do with Christmas and your family, we'd love to pray for you. So why don't you move now? And the band are going to pray quietly and then the rest of us can worship too. It just may be that as we approach Christmas, you've got trepidation in your mind and uh, you are like just stressed at the thought of what, what's coming over the next two or three weeks. And that isn't a good place to be. And we, we can't necessarily fix that, but Jesus can. And he can certainly be with you in it. And if that's where you're at, and we would just love to pray that God's blessing on you this morning as well. We would just love to pray, stand with you and pray and ask Jesus to come and be with you. And so why don't you come? Why don't you come if that's you? And we would just love to pray for an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Can I have some more fellas and some more ladies to come and pray for these folks, please? Thank you. Yeah, need two or three more ladies, please, to come and pray. It may be that. Thank you. Bless you guys. Just come, and even just come and stand in the Lord's presence. 
we would just love to stand with you and pray if life looks like it's going to be tricky for the next few weeks. We just want to acknowledge that and we want to pray God's blessing on you and we want to encourage you. So if that's you, come. For everyone who's standing at the front, can you guys all just take a step forward? You guys, can you all just take a step forward? That's it. Just make some more space. Brilliant. And it may be that you just want to stay where you are and you just want to sit or rest or stand in the Lord's presence. Maybe you just want to worship and that's the thing that you will need to do. Um, coffee is available and they, um, if you haven't got your kids yet, please do do that. And I'm just going to pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the work that you're doing among us. We thank you uh, that you lead us to Jesus. You lead us to the Father. That you're present in this place. That you love your people and that you want to be with them right now. And Lord, you are the, the Spirit. You are the comforter. You are the provider. You are our strength. You are our source of wisdom. And we just thank you for the work you're doing here among us right now. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. One last notice, guys. Don't forget there is no evening service tonight. In fact, there are no more evening services until January now. So this is it. But we will be back here next week, next Sunday morning for our all-age service. Please do come dressed up, as Joe said. And uh, otherwise, enjoy some food and drink. Bless you guys in the Lord's presence.